once more just playing softly heavenly father as we approach the word tonight and this service we want to just first invite you O oh lord lord we pray that you'd look at us through the blood as we have examined our hearts and we have come to this part lord there's not one of us that could be worthy in ourself lord we're only worthy because there was a worthy one there was a lamb that was slain in Jerusalem. And Lord, the most precious life that ever was took our place. And we want to remember you tonight, Lord. We invite you to come to this service. Otherwise, it would be just an act, just a formality. But Lord, we desire to enter into the spirit, O oh Lord, of what you have done, what you've commanded us to do. And we commit ourselves to you tonight. Pray and ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to musicians. Let's just go to the Word. We're going to pick up Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. We will start reading in verse 18. This is at the time of the Passover. Remember, the Passover was speaking um, of a time of judgment and that God in the Old Testament had made a way under the judgments that were upon Egypt that there would be a token and that's the Passover. But it was really coming to this. This is going to be the Passover for man. So from verse 18... And he said unto them, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand, and I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. Could you imagine this scene? God actually... This is the moment, this is the time, this is the 12. And he begins to speak to them. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful. 
and began every one of them to say, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, he that dipped his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto him that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed and answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, and Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth forth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. God bless his word. You may have your seats. We will take a few scriptures just for a short while, and then we will go into the communion. I'll take my text tonight out of verse 27 where he said drink ye all of it drink ye all of it I want to just speak for a little bit on the cup the significance of a cup the the cup in the Bible was an element that was used to we use it as well but used to hold water to hold wine but it was life to a man it was that which was the vessel that you could drink from. A cup was used also to symbolize an event. It was the sharing of wine or the sharing of something, maybe when kings came together, maybe when there was a ceremony, there was a cup that was done, uh, was used. Um, a cup that would take uh, maybe from, from the same element, the wine, and maybe drunk from a cup, but it was Abraham when he met Melchizedek that he shared a cup, and that was the cup of communion. So there was something that was brought together in the cup as Abraham had done it. And it was done after the battle. It was done after Abraham had fought with uh, the kings, the five kings in the battle at Sodom. And, but then after that came a communion. After that came a sharing of a cup, and it, it joined together, it was symbolic, and it brought a togetherness of drinking that cup. And Jesus is telling his disciples here that you, you're to eat the elements of this bread because this is my body, and you're, you're going to, what I'm doing here is a breaking down of my body, but if you eat this and you partake of this, you'll have life forevermore. And then he would, would talk the same of the cup, and he'd say, you know, this cup, drink all of it. And I, I want you to think for a moment about what was in that cup, and what he drank, and what it symbolized. And even tonight, as we come and drink the cup, what does it symbolize? Because we are partakers of, of the same with him. 
So it was the cup, even in the Old Testament, and it was symbolically, I thought of David. I thought David, how David desired the sweetness of the waters of Bethlehem. But, but that sweetness of that water could not be had without a battle, without a fight, without something that was required. And David's men who desired to bring him this sweet water that David had craved, they went and they fought through the Philistines and they fought through all of these things just to bring their king a drink of the water that he desired. And as they would begin to take that water, they, they, they finally fought through all of it in different places. It's miles upon miles of Philistine country and maybe blood was shed. And they brought it to David, but David also recognizing his place in the scripture, David would not drink of it. Because he looked at what these men did and the blood that they shed and he said, I'm their king, true, but there is a king that's higher than I. There's a king that's coming that is greater than I and that king is worthy. Therefore, I will pour out this water that I would desire and I'll pour it out rather because of what these men have sacrificed. So symbolically, the cup, there was something within it. Now, I, I want you to just take this for a moment. The cup, if we would take the cup in the Bible, it also represents a cup of judgment. And judgment, you know, it was at the time of Abraham when Abraham was told that, that his people would sojourn in a strange land and that they would be there and it would be there for a period of time, 400 years. And, and it was said, the cup of iniquity was not full yet. But that cup was, was in other words, it was a cup of judgment that would come. And, and I'll, I'll just refer to a couple of scriptures. You don't have to turn to them, but we'll just move along. But in Revelations 14, in verse 10, it would say, the same, and it talks about the judgments of God, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So the earth will be drinking a cup of judgment. It's a cup that is reserved for all that do sin and do iniquity. And then I would say, we ourselves are that, but we have to recognize somebody drank our part for us. Somebody took our part for us. And we want to remember him and that we can pass over the judgment because he took our part. It would say in Jeremiah chapter 25, Jeremiah 25 would speak and it would say this in verse 13. And Jeremiah, if, if you just can enter into the spirit of this a little bit with me, Jeremiah, all the prophets represented a part of Christ. All the prophets, there was a part of Christ that was in Moses, a part of him was in Elijah, a part of him was in Ezekiel, in Jeremiah, but Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. 
You read the lamentations of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is bearing the burden of a nation that was under judgment. It was a nation that they had disobeyed God, and God had no choice but to bring them into a land. And, and, he, and here he's, Jeremiah is, is, is bearing this burden. He's hearing it from God. He's trying to tell the people. And he's telling these words, and I will bring upon the land all my words which I pronounced against it, even all that's written in this book which Jeremiah has prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings shall serve themselves uh, of them also, and I will recompense them according to their deeds, according to the works of their own hands. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel unto me, take the wine cup of this fury at my hand, and cause all nations to whom I send thee to drink it. So God is actually punishing Israel, and he's using the nations to do it, but he's also going to punish the nations. And he's saying that, you know, you're a tool in God's hands for a season, but you're going to drink of this cup, and they shall drink and be moved and be mad because of the sword that I will send among them. And then I took the cup at the Lord's hand and made all the nations to drink unto whom the Lord hath sent me. Drop down to verse 28. And it shall be if they refuse to take the cup at thine hand to drink, then shalt thou say unto them, thus saith the Lord of hosts, you will certainly drink. There is coming a judgment. There is coming the wrath of God, the good God that we have with us today, the God that has, has given himself for us. Mercy is open. A fountain is open. We can drink from it freely because he drunk a portion that was reserved to us already. And if we can accept that pardon today, friends, there'll come a day when that door is closing. And I say we need to remember that that's a window that's open and say, oh God, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you, oh God. And Lord, while you've saved me, have mercy on others. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, there's something in your heart you can't contain. It comes out of you. Now just, just, let's just take this a little further. Jeremiah chapter 8. This, this would talk about this time of judgment, but Jeremiah is bearing something that's also indicative of what the Lord Jesus bore. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, we are not saved. For the daughter, for the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I'm black, astonishment has taken a hold on me. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered. This is Jeremiah. He couldn't understand. You know, this is the earlier part of Jeremiah. He was there. You know, he was, he, he would speak the word of the Lord and the kings wouldn't like what they heard. They made their faces hard against him. They actually put him in a hole in the ground and they kept him there. And he's thinking, oh God, can't something pass over this? Is there, not, is there not a bomb in all of this? Is there not beyond this, this cup? Is there not a bomb? Is there not something for us that we can be healed? That we can be recovered? That we can be made whole? And he's just pouring this out. We'll just go jump, jump over to Jeremiah 30. Jeremiah 30, verse 11. God is, he's, he's saying, yes, this is a season, Jeremiah, but there's something coming. 
For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of all nations, whither I have scattered thee, yet I will not make a full end of thee. I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. For thus saith the Lord, thy bruise is incurable, thy wound is grievous. There is none to plead thy cause that thou mayest be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. Drop down to verse 17. But he says, but I will restore health to thee. I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. Because they called thee an outcast, saying, this is Zion, who no man seeks after. Now just, I'm just walking you through a little bit of this, but just see what Jeremiah is doing. But God is also promising, yeah, I, I understand. I'm going to, I, I'm not going to leave you this way. I will put a judgment, but I will also bring health to you. I will heal you, saith the Lord. Isaiah chapter 51 would speak. In Isaiah, he would, he would talk about the Jerusalem and what they had taken. He said, awake, awake. Stand up, O Jerusalem, you have drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. You have drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung them out. And then if, if we would just, just take this down to verse 21, right, you got it. Thank you. Therefore, hear this now, thou afflicted and drunken, but not with wine. He said, Thus saith the Lord God, and thy God that pleadest the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again. And he would go on to say, But I will put it in the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, Bow down that we may go over, as thou hast laid thy body as, thy body as the ground and as the street to them that went over. I'm going to, there's more I could share there. Let's, we'll just skip past this. But I want you to think a little bit about all that was there and that they went through as a people. And I want you to think now, God gives us this space and time there, that even as Jesus came into earth and he came into earth and, and, and he came knowing that he was the lamb to be slain before the foundation of the world. So while he called disciples and while he was able to impart words to them, ultimately there was a place that he had to come and, and bring redemption to Adam's fallen race. There had to be a time where, you know, I, I love the portrayal of some of the scenes that they have in the, the Chosen, but it would talk about Jesus even the first time he passed by a cross and he saw a crucifix and he began to think, he began to think, that's my destiny on earth. That's what I'm going to. Friends, just think about what he was, and he was a man of sorrows. Isaiah would prophesy also of him in Isaiah chapter 20, 50, 53, say he's despised and, and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted. When God died, he died not only for our salvation, but he paid the price for that. 
But there's many other things that he paid the price for. Because the Bible would say, by his stripes we are healed. I'm going to, this was really the scripture I wanted to focus in on. And I'm going to invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 15. And I'll just spend a little bit of time on this before we, we move on. But everything in the Bible foretells of what God is doing. And there's a path. You know, when the children of Israel in uh, the Bible would talk in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, how they would go into the wilderness, and they said they all, they all um, had a part to play. They were all baptized in the cloud and the sea. They all ate the same spiritual meat. They all drank the same spiritual drink. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, but that rock was Christ. Now, I want you just to hold that. Exodus 15, this is just after Israel had seen the Egyptians destroyed at the Red Sea. Moses began to sing a song, and they began to rejoice in verse 20. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them and said, Sing ye to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has, he has thrown into the sea. Have you ever been in a meeting where there's a rejoicing and it's great and it's wonderful? Could you imagine the victory after 400 years and there's a rejoicing and there's a happiness and there's a singing? How could anything go wrong? How could anything go wrong? Well, we all know if you've lived a few turns of the sun, I'll tell you what, you all know it isn't too long when there's something else that comes. Now, let me, let's just read this as they go. So in verse 22, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, three days was all it took for all the joy to be sapped out of them. For all their faith to be sapped out of them. No water, no nothing. And they finally came to a place that is called Mara. But they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Mara. Mara means bitter, bitterness. And the people murmured against Moses saying, What shall we drink? It's wonderful that we have the story of the cross and of Calvary. But I've got these issues. I've got these things that I've gone through. I've had sickness in my body. I've had troubles in my family. I've had issues. What does that all matter if I don't have something here to sustain me? And the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Verse 25. And he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. Now just think about this. Here's these waters. These waters were bitter. They couldn't drink of it. They were on a journey. They came to this place. And, and here, and, 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 and it didn't seem like there was a way out. Like how in the world did we get this place? We're thirsty. We're not going to make it. 
And Moses cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he said, which when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There was, there he made for them a statue and an ordinance. There he proved them. Now, let's just, just read this a little further. And he said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. This is now Jehovah Rapha. This is a manifestation of God. Just like Jehovah Jireh was there and he was the Lord God sees, he will provide. When he told Abraham, now he sees also, I'm the Lord God that healeth thee. I know what you're going through in this life, but I am your sustaining force. And he says, out of what this tree is going to do, it will heal your diseases. So Calvary, it was not just our salvation, but it was for our healing. It was that we may be made whole. Things are going to come on us, but he is with us. He walks with us. It is his healing power that touched Sister Susan. It is his healing power that's still at work today. He knows exactly where we are. It wasn't like he just wrote the story 2,000 years ago for us to read it, but that we may drink of the same water. Water that was bitter to him can be made sweet to us. That same cup, in it was everything we need when you put Calvary in it. Brother Branham would talk and he says, they went right to the wilderness, to the spring of Mara, bitter. Isn't it strange that God would lead his children through bitter waters? That all goes along the road. But he was there. The remedy for the bitter waters was standing on the bank. Moses cut down a tree and he throwed it in the water and it turned sweet again. That's the way God leads his children. God's provided way. They try to bypass, go around this way, but they get into trouble. They had to follow the pillar of fire. They had to go that way. That's God's way that's been made for us. We try to go our own way. We try to sometimes avoid things. Brother Branham speaking in the same message. Moses tried to make his own way, but it doesn't work that way. In the Garden of Eden, they wanted to have their own way, their own religion, but that doesn't work that way. There's only one way, that's God's way. Friends, we can, we, can, we can dress right, we can act right, but I'll tell you this, we need to come in contact with this very same God. This one, when we meet him, when he comes and he meets us personally, then there is a sweetness that comes out of it. Maybe everything stays the same. Maybe the situations around is the same. But when he comes and he shows, I have already paid the price for this. I am on the scene. I will work it out. Friends, that's our God. That's where there's healing. 
Healing starts in the soul. Well, we need it in the soul, but we need healing first in our minds, in our, in our spirits. I'm convinced that many times if we could allow the healing in our spirit, it would take care of our bodies. Now just think about it. This was bitterness. There's times in all of our lives when it seems like you've done everything you can and you still have no answer. But you know what? When you come to him, you can go to doctors, you can go to brothers and sisters, even ministers, but no one has the answer but him. And just a few minutes with him can change things. It says here, in, in, this is in the message, Israel and the church. After the big song, the big shout, the hallelujah, they started in the wilderness. They went right straight to bitter waters. Isn't that right? Right into temptation. Waters they couldn't drink. They had nothing to eat. It was bitter, but it was God leading his children. It looked like God could have bypassed that, but he led them right to that place. It looked like, and in, in you think of your journey, just think of yourself for a few moments. Think about all the parts of your journey. You could say, well, I, I, I was done wrong as a teenager. So-and-so said this to me. So-and-so did that to me. If you major on all of those things, you'll be embittered. You can say, well, this happened in this church, and this minister did this, and, and, and these people did this, and then I got this disease, and this doctor messed up, and this did this, and this did this, and you could go on, and you could write that story, but you can also go back in that story if you can, and you can say, when I was here, something kept holding me. There was something. I went on my knees, and I cried, and God met me, and he held me, and I kept on walking, and as I went a little further, it was him again that came and said, sustained me. It was him that healed me along the way. It was him that kept me going. And friends, one day through all the bitterness of life we are going to come out stronger because there was a Calvary. Because he bore it for us. He tasted it for us. Moses cried unto the Lord and he looked and there was a little bush standing on the side there. And he cut down that bush and he throwed it in the water. And then that water became sweet. Oh, what a shouting time then. Why? Because it was something God was showing, I'm still with you. The waters were bitter. This little old tree swinging there on the bank Moses cut it down and threw it in the water. It changed everything. Friends, he says, there's a tree tonight hanging over Golgotha. It'll sweeten any bitter waters that you have been led to. Calvary will sweeten any experience. Many times we go into hard places and we wonder how. And he says, I shut my eyes and I think yonder on Golgotha, where my Redeemer bled and died for my life, then my trials seem so little. 
I throw it aside and I walk on. He makes it sweet. He sweetens every experience I've ever had. He always sweetens it when I come to the waters of Mara. Just think about where you're at tonight. Maybe, maybe there's been bitterness, there's been hard things. You know what we need to do, friends? We need to come to that place where it's just us and him. You can come to the church, you can fellowship, you can put on music, you can, but you know what? Come to the place where you just lay it down before him, where it's you and him. I think that's our greatest lack right now. I believe that we need more of that than anything else. And if we have more of that, we're going to have more victory. We're going to have more sweetness. In the middle of a world that's full of bitterness, we can major on all the things that are wrong there. Brother Andrew said it this morning. No political, there's no politics in, in any nation that, that's going to make you comfortable. It's no, it's, it's that, that's past. And, and you can't bring that realm of thinking even into church. But I say, if you can bring Christ in, oh, there's the sweetness. There is something, friends, it's not just showing up at church and here's the appointed time, but it's coming. Actually doing what the prophet said, being in prayer, being there, and all of a sudden the songs seem different. What, how did they sing that? Well, it wasn't them singing any different. It was what's in us, friends. If we get to that place, that's the sweetness of Calvary. And when a minister comes and speaks... It won't seem hard. You won't be offended easy. You'll say, yeah, I needed that, Lord. That was you speaking to me. That's the sweetness of Calvary. <coughs> In the same message, they talk about how David, with a little sheep, you know, the sheep would get sick sometimes. But David had a little script bag there. And whenever his sheep would get sick, he would get some honey out. And he would put that honey and he would rub it on a limestone rock. Because in the limestone there was a cure there. And he says, but it needed a little bit of honey. And he says, and when that honey, they'd start licking that honey. But then they'd lick some of that limestone off and that would bring a healing to them. You know, the Bible would tell us in Revelations chapter 10, and it would talk about how that there'd come in this last day a, a word that was going, to, was going to conclude the mystery of God. And he said, this word would come, but it would be a, a book that would be open to us that we would need to eat from. In this last day. And this word, if we would eat it, friends, it's the fullness of the word. It's not just picking and choosing. When, when the lamb, when in, 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 in the Exodus, when the lamb was taken, they were commanded to eat all of it. And I say we're commanded to eat all the word. Some of it is bitter. There's a portion that's been reserved. And, 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 and John would say, give me the book. And he says, eat it up. It'll make thy belly bitter. But in your mouth, it'll be sweet as honey. 
And I took the little book out of the angel's hands and I ate it up. And in my mouth it was sweet as honey. And as soon as I'd eaten it in my belly, it was bitter. I believe Jesus drank the bitterness of the cup for us. I believe that he took that part that we may drink the sweetness of God. But I believe there's also a portion that he's working out while we're here. He's writing something in our lives that we're going to take into eternity. He's writing character into us. He's writing himself into us. As just as, as, as in, in the time of Noah, that, that, that pitch that, that was put into the holes in the ark, that was God. There's something that's put into our holes in the places where we're weak, that's God. And when we, we have that, we, it, it tells you, oh, let me have Jesus. Do you feel that way today? Take this whole world, but let me have Jesus. So I wind my thoughts down. I just want you to think for a moment. Just love where, where the Lord took Brother Andrew this morning. Friends, what made Jesus so sweet to us one time? That it caused us to enter in. To, to go in prayer was not a chore. Because sometimes you pray and yeah, maybe it's hard. It's hard. But then you break through. And you say, oh God, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I met with you this morning. And everything else you go through that day. Oh, why, why those little things that we used to do. You know what, if, I believe if we just go back and start to do them again, it'll bring a sweetness into our lives. Oh, the world is there to take so much put little cactuses and things that lack water. That's, that's the problem with us sometimes. We lack water. We lack the part of God. But if we would drink that, there brings something into us. Let me just finish sharing this last little bit. Notice the waters were bitter. He led them to bitter water so he could prove their faith. He likes to let tribulations come to you that he can show you his love and his power. Isn't that wonderful? He says, when tribulations come, there's a people who won't be, that don't believe in a miracle working God. They just give up and go on. But we believe that God is the same today. We believe that he does the same things today. Oh, friends, I, I want to be able to drink from this place. I'm going to conclude with this scripture. Go back to Matthew chapter 26. And this is Jesus, and I want you to think tonight as you come to drink of the cup. Think of what he drank for us. Think of what he had to endure. Matthew chapter 26, we'll read this from verse 36. This is just a little later in the same place. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit ye here. While I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And they began to be very sorrowful and heavy. Then he said unto them, My soul, my soul, okay, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even to death. Now, can you think? He actually died of a broken heart. He died of because of what they did to him. This was the love of God being expressed to a people. Tarry ye here and watch with me. 
And he went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. How can we face the things we do today? Because he tasted it first. And you can't, I can't overcome myself. But if we can recognize, he overcame that for me. And he came, and he comes to his disciples. He finds them asleep, and he said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me one an hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Think about, think about this. Think about the struggle that was going on right at that moment. Think about the battle that was being waged in Gethsemane. The spirit had left him. And all he was operating on was the character. All he was operating on was that this is my course. This is my path. Maybe somewhere in the middle of this, a vision broke. And he began to look, and he began to see the other side of Calvary. He began to see not just the cross and the bleeding, but he saw the joy of you and I being a part of him. Maybe he says, I'll go through that so I can be with them. Maybe he looked beyond Peter and Peter's disappointment. Let's have the musicians come. That'll tell you I'm closing. He looked beyond Peter and Peter's disappointment. Peter, who, who, had, who had denied him three times, and he thought, it's all over. I've, wasted, I've, I've, I've messed up. I've completely messed up. But he looked beyond that, and he, he actually had a word for Peter when, 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 when he had arose on the other side, and he says, go tell my disciples and Peter, knowing Peter needed something. Friends, think about what he did. He, he said, I'll drink this cup because I know in the ages to come it's going to give overcoming power. Those that enter into fellowship with me, those that are a part of me, when they, when they enter into that fellowship with me, it'll give them strength. When I deposit my word in them, it'll strengthen them. They'll know. I'll know how to act because I've gone through it already. What a battle was being waged. Verse 42, and he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and he found asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them and he went away again and he prayed the third time, saying the same words. Do you imagine this battle? And now he finally said, Okay. I've got to walk this alone. Do you know there's a part of us that the church is not going to help you with? That your mom and dad is not going to help you with? There's a part of this that it's going to be you and Christ alone. I want you this evening, I'm going to, why don't we sing, I'll need a singer. I want to sing the old rugged cross, but I want you to think about this tree that Moses put in the waters and the waters became sweet think about your life he when you meet him in the calvary and all that he's done
Think about all the times he's come. Just the other morning, I woke up and felt like I just got a couple of minutes. Somebody was coming over. I said, Lord, I just need to talk to you. I just knelt for a few moments, and he came. And it made the difference. I believe we can walk in that. That's the sweetness of Calvary. That's the cup we can drink because he drank our part for us. He's an intercessor. Let's sing this song on a hill far away. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown Oh, that old rugged cross So despised world Has a wondrous attraction For me Cross st- 
so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me so I'll cherish the old rocket Exchange it someday for 